making our way through the book of Exodus. If you're joining us this morning, visiting with us, and this morning we find ourselves in Exodus 11, and we see an announcement about the, the tenth, the final plague upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 11. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as has never been, nor will ever be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all the wonders before Pharaoh, And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bow before you, thankful for your word, and thankful for the privilege to come into your presence now. I pray that you would add your blessing to the reading and the preaching of it. Strengthen us, challenge us, encourage us, convict us. By Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Could I have your attention, please? I have an announcement to make. Okay, now that I have your attention. um, Let's think about announcements for a moment. We announce things that are important to us, special to us, engagements, births, retirements, anniversaries. We announce things that are lost and found. I don't know if you've seen these signs around uh, Simpsonville that say, Lost Blue Parakeet, Uh, if found, call this number. I mean, he's probably just flying around somewhere. Um, You also have announcements about emergencies. And you know it's a bad situation when someone comes in and says, um, Nobody panic. Everyone remain calm. We have an announcement to make. Now, as we think about Exodus chapter 11, it is an announcement. It's an announcement after the nine plagues of destruction and devastation to Pharaoh and the false gods of Egypt. It's also a bridge. It helps connect the dots between the first nine plagues in Egypt and uh, the tenth plague, which is connected, but it's also a little bit different. And this morning, we'll see... 
the what, how, and why of this announcement. This announcement about the last plague and the Passover. And before we get into the details from this passage, I want us to remember what this, the big picture purpose, this whole passage, this section, the plagues, the Passover, the Exodus, what they were all really about, what they're, what they're announcing, what are they saying to us. The message is this. I am who I am. The Lord, the Lord God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Yahweh, the Lord, Jehovah, He is God. He is King. That's the message of Exodus. It's a message of the Passover. God is King. And we need that reminder this morning in so many different ways. Maybe you're struggling this morning, discouraged about the way things are going in the world Exodus 11 announces to us the Lord is God. Jesus is seated on His throne in heaven, ruling and reigning for His church and for His children. Maybe there are areas in your life where you're tempted to believe, you know what, my way's better. I'm in control. I've got this. It's no big deal. Uh, Exodus 11 reminds us, it announces that God is King. The Lord is God. He is sovereign. He is king and you are not. Maybe you're here this morning and you're wrestling with God's plan and purpose, His providence in your life. Things aren't going the way you planned or hoped. You say to yourself, I didn't sign up for this. And you're overwhelmed and exhausted and hurt and you can't seem to let go of the bitterness in your life. Listen, Exodus 11 announces the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, He is God. Trust in Him. Follow Him. Believe Him. Lord God, help us to see and believe in our day, in our lives, in our hearts, in our church, that You are King. So let's think about the passage together. The first question that's answered is what? What's the most important thing about an announcement? It's the message. It's the information that you're trying to communicate. That's the most important thing about an announcement. The what is most important. A friend of mine posted a picture of a, of a sign that he had made for his church. And he put it outside the church. And it was, it was a nice looking sign. It had a lot of information on this sign. It had... Uh, the name of the church, the time they met, the name of the pastor, the denominational affiliation. And with all that information, the font on the sign got smaller and smaller. And so uh, he posted this picture on uh, social media, and then one of his friends sarcastically said, Great sign, is it a church for ants? <laughs> you know, no one is going to be able to read your sign. Uh, it has great information, but the message isn't clearly being communicated. And so what is the message? What is the announcement from Exodus 11? We see it in verse 1. The specific announcement is this. Yahweh, the Lord, said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and afterward he will let you go. Remember God told Moses about the signs and the wonders and the miracles. He also told Moses and Aaron about Pharaoh hardening his heart and not letting God's people go. And 
as the battle has raged on over the last nine plagues, Moses, Aaron, the Hebrews, Pharaoh, all the Egyptians have seen and known in deeper, more progressive ways that God is king, stronger, better, bigger, more powerful, more glorious than Pharaoh and the little g gods of the Egyptians. And now God says, Moses, just one more plague. Keep going. I'm still here. I'm still working, and I am with you. Let's take a look back at the end of chapter 10. You remember the ninth plague? This is a plague of darkness. A darkness that the Bible says it was so dark that it could be felt. And Pharaoh was fed up with Moses. And at the end of chapter 10, he says, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall surely die. Now, here's the irony. It was so pitch black dark that Moses and Aaron and, and Pharaoh couldn't see each other. It was a demonstration of the power of God, the authority of God over what Pharaoh and the Egyptians believed to be their strongest God, Ra, the God of the sun. And now they're sitting in the darkness, pitch black darkness, as a demonstration of the glory and majesty of God. Exodus 11 is an extension. It is a uh, It is a continuation of that that conversation that Moses and Pharaoh had in chapter 10. And in the heart of the battle, God essentially says, what's going to happen? And that's why we should believe in him. Look at what he's done so far. He has demonstrated his power, his miraculous, glorious, authoritative power. Look back. God has made good on his promises. He's trustworthy He's faithful. He's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. Dear ones, we can trust God. We can trust that God will do what He says He will do in our lives because of His faithfulness in the past. Look at Jesus. His unique life. His, his His perfect and sacrificial death. His victorious resurrection. His glorious ascension. It is finished. He has done it. So when you are struggling with your past or your present or your future, think back at some of the announcements that God has made. What God has said. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In this world you will face tribulation, but be of good courage. Take courage. Take heart. I have overcome the world. There is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of Christ. What's the announcement of Exodus 11? Moses, just one more plague, and I'll deliver you. What is the announcement for us? I am the Lord your God. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. What is the announcement? It's this, that God is king. Brothers and sisters, God is king. Not only does he say what uh, the announcement is in Exodus 11, we also see the answer to the question, how? Many of you know my daughter Meg, uh, tore, she's torn both ACLs, one in 2017, one this past summer. And when we went and met with the orthopedic surgeons, they explained what happened, how the injury took place, and then they talked about how they planned to repair her ACL, how to how to fix it. And they talked about how that their plan was uh, 
connected with the, the, the best clinical research, the latest clinical research, and, and them explaining what was going to happen and their game plan helped us in the process. If I said, now how are you going to do this? And, and what if the doctor said, um, don't worry about it. Which one of us went to medical school? Was it me or you? you know, <laughs> we probably would have walked out at that point. But they explained how. And in God's mercy and kindness... In Exodus 11 and throughout the Bible, not only does he say what he's going to do and who he is, but so many times he explains how he's going to work in our lives. And that's an encouragement for us, how he'll rescue us. So look with me in the passage. We're going to walk through several verses. Verse 1, he says that he, Pharaoh, will drive you out completely. God tells Moses this. He will drive you out completely. Think about driving or pushing cattle. And thus far, Pharaoh has tried to bargain with Moses and Aaron. Okay, I'll let you go out, but not the livestock. Okay, I'll let you go. No, wait, I won't. But here God says that he will drive you out. He won't just say, fine, you can go. He and the people will drive you out Men, women, children, livestock, everyone. It's not a partial exodus. It's not a kind of deliverance. It's complete, and the message is this, God is king. Look at verse 2. You will plunder the Egyptians. God tells Moses to tell the Israelites to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. God essentially says, this is how it's going to go down. You'll ask them for valuables... And they will gladly give them to you. And God tells Moses to tell the people this because, humanly speaking, this request is absurd. Why would the Egyptians give their prized possession, their finest jewelry, their family heirlooms to slaves that are escaping from them? The answer is this, because God is king he's the sovereign lord of heaven and earth he does according to his own will so ask and you will receive and it's interesting this promise was made uh, to moses at mount horeb remember at the burning bush but it was also made uh, several years earlier in genesis 15 when god cut the covenant with abraham and he said your people will go out of egypt with great possessions look at verse 3 How is God going to do this? You'll find favor in the sight of God's people, in the sight of the people. The Israelites were slaves. The Egyptians treated them like they were property. In chapter 1 of Exodus, we read that the the Egyptians dreaded the Israelites. And now, because of God's power, they respected the Israelites. They found favor in their eyes and they were esteemed. How is God going to do it? This is part of how. And then he goes on to explain the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. This final plague, the culmination of all nine, but also different. One of the things we see in verse 4 is that this plague is not mediated by Moses and Aaron. Notice God says, I will go out. The other plagues, Moses and Aaron did something with their staff or with their hands or with their words. 
They were mediated, but here God works directly. Notice the timing of this plague. Verse 11, about midnight. Why does this matter? Remember, Ra, the sun god, had already been dethroned. He was defeated in the plague of darkness, and now God is showing, I'm the Lord of heaven and earth, of night and day, of life and death, and the false gods and idols of Egypt cannot protect you. And that same principle is seen in the death of the firstborn of of the animals as well. Many of the Egyptian gods were represented by animals. And so what God is saying here is that I am king. I'm the Lord of heaven and earth. Verse 5, he says, Great and small will be impacted from all the way from Pharaoh's house to the poorest family in Egypt. The firstborn will be taken. And in verse 6, there will be a great outcry. And we can imagine the heartbreak and the mourning and the cries of despair as all the firstborn passed away. Never before and never since such a cry. And then verse 7, not even a growl. Kids, have you ever had a dog growl at you? Sometimes it can be a little scary, right? And God's people were afraid that the Egyptians would growl at them. If God kills the firstborn of the Egyptians, then the Egyptians are going to turn around and they're going to try to kill all of us. And what this passage says, what Moses said to Pharaoh, and God's people would eventually hear, is a dog won't even growl at us because of the power of God. John Currid said that this also could be a reference to the Egyptian god of the dead, Anubis, who was represented by a dog. Pharaoh, your gods of life and of death, have no power over Yahweh, the King. Dear ones, God is so gracious to us that He not only tells us what He's going to do, a lot of times He tells us how He's going to do it. We should take courage and hope and comfort from that and lean into God's promises and, and remember He shows us how, but what happens? So many times we're stubborn, we're forgetful, we're proud, we try to run the world in our way, in our strength, in our wisdom, and then we're shocked when things don't work out. For example, how do we grow as Christians? We grow line upon line, precept upon precept, through the ordinary means of grace, through the Word and sacraments and prayer and worship and fellowship and community, we grow through a regular diet of Word and God's ways and God's people. That's how we grow. He tells us. But we forget and we neglect and we think, nah, it doesn't matter, it's no big deal. And we wonder why we struggle week in and week out. So God announces what He's going to do. He announces how He's going to do it. But we also see from this passage that He tells us why. In verses 8 through 10, we saw this last week in our sermon. Remember these words, so that. It shows us purpose. We see that same principle played out here again. 
this week. In Exodus 11, God not only announces what and how, He tells us why. He tells us His purposes to Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and the people. And there are several reasons that are highlighted. Look with me at verse 8. To show a distinction. God tells Pharaoh through Moses that the purpose, the point of all this, is that you may know that I make a distinction. Literally, I, I treat differently between Egypt and Israel. And God, God is king. We've seen this principle in chapter 8 and in chapter 9. And this is a reference to the biblical doctrine of election. We alluded to it last week from Romans 9. Remember these words. When Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our father Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Part of the purpose of the plagues, why the announcement of this tenth plague is to demonstrate and show that God makes a distinction. And to be absolutely clear, God's choice in election is not based on our goodness or our potential, or our resume. It's not something we earn or deserve. It's rooted in grace from beginning to end, so that no woman, no man, no child can boast. Another purpose, another answer to the question, why, is seen in verse 9, to display God's wonders. The plagues, including this last plague, display, portray, announce, show that God is God, that God is King, that there's none like Him, there's none beside Him. He spoke through the prophet Isaiah, remember these words, I am the Lord, that is my name, and I will not share my glory with another. You ever thought that everything in this world, things that we seem to understand and things that we don't really understand, all serve in one way or another, to bring honor and glory to God through judgment and through mercy. So Romans chapter 11, we read these words. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways! Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. God is displaying His wonders. And we can worship Him because of it. You remember Job's refrain from Job chapter 42. For three or four chapters, God questions Job. Where were you when the earth's foundations were laid? Can you take up Leviathan with a hook? And this is Job's response. I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. 
Part of the purpose of the plagues, part of God's announcement of redemption in this world is to display His glory. The last part of the answer, why, seen uh, more implied from the passage, but it's the hope of repentance. It's a hope of repentance. You remember Jonah's uh, reluctant journey to Nineveh in the Old Testament? Why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? He didn't want to go to Nineveh because he couldn't stand the Ninevites. And what a great opportunity to go and deliver a message of judgment to those people who deserve it. But he was reluctant because sadly he was afraid that they might repent and God might have mercy. We know about Pharaoh's hard heart. But we also read about how his servants came and bowed down to Moses, acknowledging the sovereign power of Yahweh. We read in Exodus 12 that a mixed multitude of people came up with the Israelites out of Egypt. Why? Because they believed the Lord. He is God. God gave instructions about celebrating the Passover with sojourners. Let's connect the dots. The dots Connected mean that some of the Egyptians were rescued. They raised the white flag. They repented and believed the Lord is God. The Lord is God. This is one of the reasons, I believe, in verse 9, it says that, that Moses went out in hot anger. He had had it with Pharaoh, not just because of Pharaoh's rebellion, but because of he wouldn't relent And surrender for the sake of all of these people. Think about the message of Exodus 7, 8, 9, and 10. Think about what people have thought throughout the ages when they've seen God's judgment and deliverance through the plagues and confronted with the glory of God. Think about your life and the life of others when you've been on a collision course with destruction and death. Remember last week? Sometimes... Our idols can lead us to the end of our ropes and they can lead to life, to our hearts being opened where we can say and believe, I'm not God. I'm not in control. I'm not the captain of my life. I'm not in control. We can cast our lives and our souls on the mercy of God. And we'll see it next week through this simple act of faith. By celebrating the Passover and painting blood over the doorframe of the house, people were rescued from the death angel. There's hope for repentance, brothers and sisters. There's hope for life. Even in the face of judgment. Think about people that you love, people that you care about. People that we're tempted to think are too far gone to believe the gospel message. They'll never trust, they'll never be believers in Jesus. God can save. God can work in our lives and in the lives of others in ways that we don't even know. And if He doesn't, we entrust ourselves into the mighty hand of God. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? So we have an announcement from Exodus 11. God announces what? He announces how. He announces why. And He has graciously made announcements throughout history. He's graciously made announcements through His Word that intersect with our lives, that speak to our eternal destiny, announcements that should make our ears perk up, 
and our hearts soar. Here are just a few. I am the living water. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the vine. You're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You remember Jesus' announcement from from Revelation? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. Fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one who died. And look, behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and hell. Behold, I am making all things new. Dear ones, that's just the beginning. There's so much more. And our first response to God's announcement should be faith. So if you're here this morning and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you haven't raised the white flag and said, I can't do this, I can't rescue myself, there's no hope for me in and of myself, trust in Jesus Christ, His perfect life, His sacrificial death, gives us eternal life, and we receive it not by paying for it or earning it, but but through faith in Him. And for believers, our response should be faith and repentance and humility and joy and gratitude and courage and conviction. Here's the announcement. God is King. God is King who loves us and accepts us and empowers us and commissions us and cares about us. Keep going. Keep trusting, keep believing, because God is King. Let's pray.